Thanks for coming to the Mission Church. My name is Zach, and I'm one of the pastors here. And Dan, one of our other pastors here, if you're relatively new. Um, We're going to do something a little bit different than we typically do. But before we get there, I just wanted to share with you just a huge win for us. Last week, for those who were here, um, we talked about how we're just in by God's grace in a season of kind of growing pains and, and one of the things that we see of, of getting through that is just needing more people to serve in different areas. And so I think there was 14 different positions that we needed filled from six people in children's ministry, some security people. Um, Got to keep this brother secure, you know what I mean? Um, and, uh, and, and some a greeting position too and, uh, and some setup and tear down. And by the grace of God, I think every single one of those positions got filled. So uh, can we get an amen there? Amen. Did, Carrie, did both of the greeting positions get filled? Or just... Yes, and they both responded to my email. And they both responded. Oh, is that, is that, like, is that like a passive-aggressive word for, for those who are on the church and not responding to email? 12 12 hours, wow. Yeah, so if you're in the green team, hear that. Uh, you know, it, here's what was neat is um, I, I came this morning. Um, I, I'm, I don't do any of the setup because Ben has done such an awesome job of empowering uh, setup teams. And so I came this morning, and I think every person that was setting up, was they, they filled out their card last week. They were brand new. Um, so let's give a hand to those couple people. Amen. So that, uh, that's just a huge win, something to celebrate. Thank you guys for stepping up. That, that's the kind of culture we want to have here at the Mission Church where each and every single one of us is just willing to step up and say, hey, I want to I serve. So thank you very much. Um, like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We've been going through the book of 1 Timothy um, for the past, uh, really since January, and we've kind of titled this series gospel culture in church. And and the reason why is what we found going through the book of 1 Timothy is what's at stake in the church that Timothy is pastoring is the proclamation of the gospel. There were certain teachers and even possibly leaders that were no longer preaching and teaching the gospel in the church. And so Paul writes to Timothy, who's a pastor, and says, "Um, this can't be. There needs to be a culture of gospel proclamation um, in this church. And, and so really that's what the book is about. Developing this culture of gospel proclamation um, in the church of Ephesus is in, in which Timothy was the, the pastor of. And so this week, what we thought would be um, really helpful for this season that we're in, because I know that some of you uh, are relatively new. You've been coming here for maybe six nine months or so, we wanted to talk gospel culture at the Mission Church and really talk about what is the kind of culture that we are aiming to have here at the Mission Church? What are the things that God is putting on our hearts as leaders and as staff in, in the direction of, of a young, smaller church that's, by the grace of God, growing too? And so, um, you have the taller stool. In mine, if this breaks on me, I just that that's probably not from the Lord. It's just, it's Here, wobbly. Let's, let's, let's switch because you're the senior pastor. Okay, wow. I, you, so. We didn't plan huh? this. I don't, I feel like uh, out of out of humility, I'm supposed to say no. <laughs> you sit down, but I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. 
Um, so, so anyways, we, what we decided to do here is um, do a little bit of a roundtable with Dan and I and just talk vision, talk culture here at the Mission Church. So this is way different than a usual Sunday, um, but I think that it will be a blessing and encouragement for, for all of us. So I'll hand things off to you, brother. Thanks, Zach. And Zach doesn't know uh, that I'm going to read this verse out of James, but it is a perfect segue. Uh, I'd like you to listen to what uh, James says in James chapter 2, verse 19. Now, James is speaking to believers, and he says uh, this, you, so you believers, you believe that God is one. In other words, James is saying to this group of Christians you guys have your theology straight. You've got good theology. That's what that means. You believe that God is one. That's, that's a good Jewish uh, Christian theology. You do well. So he, he commends them. And then listen to this. James says, even the demons believe. One of the things that you're going to hear at this church over and over again is the word gospel. What is the gospel? Um, Part of the reason that we've mixed it up this morning, you're not just getting just, you know, uh, a sermon, uh, good though they are, I think, uh, is that we want to we want to talk with you, the Mission Church, our church family. What does the gospel look like? It is not enough just to say, I believe in Jesus. Now, let's make something very clear. Zach and I firmly believe that we are saved by grace through faith. And that there is absolutely nothing we can do to earn our salvation. Amen? How to preach. I mean, Paul says, man, I'm getting excited. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Paul says in Ephesians that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. A dead person can't just decide, hey, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. You have to have the Holy Spirit come in and even give you the faith to even respond to the message. So you're going to hear the word gospel, gospel, gospel all the time. You probably hear it every Sunday, every community group. What is the gospel? Yes, it's faith in Jesus Christ. But James tells us that the true gospel is that you hear the message, you respond by faith, and then you move out and do works. You are not saved by your works. You, you can't do enough works to be saved. But a person who is truly saved... That, that theology, that good teaching, that faith will move them to reach other people for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Acts of charity, acts of mercy, missions trips, walking across the street and doing something for your neighbor, telling that single mom who lives on your block, listen, we're going to babysit your kids for free, and here's 20 bucks, well, nowadays, here's 40 bucks, <laughs> and go out and have a good evening. I mean, we want you to know that we are not just a church of blah, 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 get all your theology straight. We want you to have good theology, but we want to be a going church. Mm-hmm. We, we want to be a, a, a culture, a church that cultivates a culture of actually practicing our faith and doing what Jesus says. Because even the demons are like, yeah, they got their, I bet the demons have better theology than we do. But it hasn't changed their life. Mm-hmm. So I've got some questions um, that I'm going to just send Zach's way. And um, this is not rehearsed, by the way. Just so you know, Zach and I did not get together at the church office and say, okay, start the clock. Um, uh, uh, this is just completely... I, I rehearsed my answers. In front of the big mirror? <laughs> uh-huh, in, yeah. In there's there's a mirror in our office. All right, yes. they tell you to do that in seminary. <laughs> All right, so Zach, uh, last week you talked about the mission church seeing growth and even experiencing some growing pains. 
as we continue to grow, what is your heartbeat and vision for the size you would hope the Mission Church would grow to? I think that's a, a great question. Yeah, you know, as, as I was thinking about this question, I don't know how it was brought back to this, but I started thinking through why we're called the Mission Church. Um, when we first got planted, my senior pastor, who played a huge role in us being sent out here, he said, Zach, I, I want to tell you something. People might disagree with me, but take it for what you want. You need to choose the name of the church because you, you're, you're, you're going to be the pastor. You're, and so I was like, oh, okay. And so it could have been a bad idea, frankly, because the names I was, I had a great wife. Um, so one of the names I came up with is the Great Commission Church. Um, there's a reason why you won't find a church named the Great Commission Church. <laughs> Too long. But the reason why is because really the calling to plant came out of Matthew 28. And so instead of doing the Great Commission Church, I was like, well, what about the Mission Church? And, and here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The operative phrase in this text is make disciples. And I think it's helpful to understand that this is Jesus' vision casting moment to, to the church. It's, it's kind of like this moment where you're saying, Zach, cast a little vision. This is Jesus' vision casting moment for the early church. And he says, here it is. Make disciples. Make disciples. And so when we first got started here, um, like every church planter and most pastors, that was my heartbeat, that we would make disciples, that we would make as many disciples as possible. And so whatever building we were in, my heartbeat was, let's just fill it with, with disciples. Let's reach people. And what God has been really stirring in my heart for the past year, and, and really more so than anything in the past couple months, is this word in here in Matthew 28, where, like I said, the operative phrase is make disciples. But verse 19, it starts with a word. And the word is go. That, that Jesus expects, commands that movement would be made for disciples to be made. So if you read the book of Acts you will find that it's a church of movement. Here's something a bit shocking. I just realized this for the first time. Um, the disciples didn't want to move at first. If you notice what it took the disciples to get out of the city, do you remember this? Persecution. The church is growing massively, probably 15,000 people. And then Saul, who becomes Paul, um, kills a Christian brother and starts imprisoning Christians. And all the Christians are like, uh, we're afraid of our life. And so it says they had to flee the city. And so God is the one who kind of makes them go because they weren't willing to go at first. And so what God has been putting on my heart is, you know, it's easy for us to go, let's fill this building once, twice, three times over for the sake of making disciples, for the sake of furthering the glory of God. But what God has been stirring in my heart is what if instead the vision of the mission church is not to fill this building once, twice over? What if, what if the vision for the mission church is not to make 300, 400, 500, 600 disciples in this building but what if instead the vision is to develop a culture 
of going to make disciples. Developing a culture of going, of planting, of sending. I use those three terms synonymously. synonymously. I practiced that word out loud, but I didn't. When it's on stage, you don't say things the way you should. Synonymously, there it is. Going, planting, sending. That we would have this culture here. So imagine this. Instead of us being a church of four or 500 people, what if we're a church of 250, 300, and every single year we've raised up a church planter that we send out to, to Bothell, to, to Bonnie Lake, to Tacoma, just name your city. We've developed that kind of culture. And, and, and not only that, but we've developed a kind of culture where it's not one guy we're sending out. There's those of you in here going, you know what? I, I think I feel called to, to move with them, to leave with them, and to go and plant with them. Or how about if we developed a culture where we do what we're about ready to do in two weeks, where Hannah feels called to go to Sierra Leone as a missionary there. Imagine if every three months we brought up one of you guys and prayed over you because you felt called to, to go to a different city, go to a different country. What if whole community groups felt called to help out a church plant? And, and so that's really what God has been stirring in my, on my heart is we're all passionate about making disciples, but what about this going part? And imagine if we had this culture where all of us were praying and thinking through where God is calling us to go. And listen, it may not be a missionary. It, it may not be to be a church planter. It may not even be a church planting team. But maybe you are so infected in a good way with this culture of going that, that you start thinking through, wait a second. Maybe I'm not called to Sierra Leone, but I do have a workplace where there's four or five people that aren't saved. And, and we, we start having this culture where we're constantly thinking, where am I sent? Where am I going? Where am I being planted for the sake of furthering the gospel? And, and if you're going, when's the timeline for this? I feel now, now. I, I feel like the culture needs to be established first. You know, we were joking you know, how neat would it be in 2018 if we planted our first church? And maybe, maybe, maybe we're just trying to be prophetic. Um, but how neat would that be? But I think it starts with us developing this culture. And, and so that, how big, um, I, to answer the question, um, big enough to where we start planting people. But, but I think that we can realize that that can happen sooner than later. We could, we could legitimately plant someone right now if the right person came. And how neat would that be? So that, that's my heartbeat. That's, that's vision for, for growth and picture of the mission in, in the future. So uh, Chad, Susuga and I have been <clears throat> checking. You just raise your hand. We've been talking. About, he's from Hawaii. We have seen get a little Hawaiian hang loose. We're, we're going to plant a church in Hawaii. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. but next, uh, next, next uh, question here is um, uh, one of the things we've talked about in the context of community groups is the idea of multiplication. Why have community groups uh, multiplied to create more community groups uh, rather than having community groups stay together for years at a time? So I think the question here is... Um, you know, rather than just say, you know, you've got a community group together and we're just going to reach. I mean, I, when I was in Micah's uh, home a couple of days ago, 
there literally is not room for another couple. Uh, <laughs> Mike is shaking his head. So why talk a little, Zach? Talk a little bit about um, our thinking of of how we want the community groups to look like. Yeah, well, I think it's helpful to point out that what we talked about at first was, that first question was vision. What, what's the vision? What's ahead? Now, this question is about culture. What kind of culture do we want to have? And I think that's important. One of the things that was pointed out to me recently that I never really realized is culture always trumps vision. We, and Okay, we, we see this every political season, right? We're, we're painting great, beautiful pictures of what could be. And, oh, imagine this future. Imagine if you had this and this. And so we can paint this picture of, man, let's plant five churches in the next 10 years. Let's send out 15 mar- Mary, Mary? married people. Let's send out 15 missionaries. Let, let's do all the things. We can paint this beautiful picture. But if you don't have the culture... The culture will trump it every time. It, it won't happen. And that's, and that's why how many presidents cast this beautiful vision and then they get in presidency and there's no culture for it. And so the same is true for the local church. And so this question about community groups is really, it's about culture. And I think another thing to point out before answering this question, like a good politician, let me not answer the question. <laughs> um, why, what's the purpose of community groups at the Mission Church? The number one, numerical order here, the number one purpose why we do community groups here is to get new people connected, plain and simple. Because we have found that if someone comes to the mission and they do not get connected to a community group, almost always, not always, but almost always, they will either rather, they will either um, rarely come to church on a Sunday morning or they'll just end up leaving the mission church altogether. It's just, that's what has happened at the mission church in its history. Um, The number two purpose of why we do community groups is to begin to cultivate relationships. I'm going to say that phrase one more time. Begin to cultivate relationships. And then the third purpose is growing in the gospel. And, And we put that third Um, Not because it's less important, but because if people don't get connected into a community group, they're not going to grow in the gospel. And if they're not um, growing in relationship with one another, it's going to affect their growth together in the gospel. And so to your question here, why this multiplication language of community groups? Here's the two primary ways that you can do community groups. And you've probably experienced if you've been at church for a while. There's one way where every group is a closed group, you, you get to 14, 16 people, you get to the point where Micah's group, you're, it's, it's just really, really big. You can't have any more people come to your group anymore. And, and apparently someone at your community group had a baby um, literally that night. So what are you guys doing there, man? Uh, but, but the one way of doing it is that's a closed group and they meet together till death do them part. And, and 5, 10, 15 years till people move away um, or people start dying off. Um, I'm, I'm serious. I, I, don't, I don't mean no, that true. to be, but seriously, that's, that's what happens. Um, the other way of doing community groups is every group is an open group. There is no closed groups. And so when you hit 14 or 16 people, you have already made a plan to send someone, to plant someone else 
um, with a new community group, and hopefully they're taking two or three couples with them. And so paint this vision. Micah's group, you, you are at your uh, capacity. I'm just going to take Bryce and Amanda. You're in that group. Um, let's say Bryce and Amanda feel called to plant a community group in fall 2016. And so imagine fall 2016, they plant this community group. Probably the house that they're meeting in, they're going to have more than eight seats there. So imagine they were able to get three other couples to join them. That's eight of them. And now, now they've got eight other seats around them that are maybe empty. And day one, Bryce and Amanda look at their community group and say, guys, we want to have a culture of planting and of going. So let's spend the nine, next nine, 18 months of praying how we can fill these seats and praying for the leader that's going to rise up that we're going to send out 16 months from now um, with part of our group here. And, and so imagine, you know, fall 2016 or fall 2017, instead of us having six community groups like we do now, we have 12. We have 18 community groups. And so I, I paint these two pictures of you've got the closed community groups in the opening, op- open and planting and multiplying community groups. And if our vision, if our desire is to be this going, this planting, this sending church, one of those models, it's a cancer to that kind of culture and that vision. And one of the models is a catalyst. And so... We believe community groups is probably the most important thing that we do here at the Mission Church because it gets people connected and it gets people beginning to grow. And we want one of the most important things we do to be a catalyst for us developing this this culture of being a going and sending church. And so that's why we're we're excited about multiplication. And And I get that the natural pushback is, well, aren't you sacrificing relationships um, by you know planting, and the answer is yes if you let it. And and here's what I've just realized: if your depth of relationships is going to be determined by the hour and a half, two hours that you hang out with these people every other week, you're already at a problem. It's going to take. A, imagine if you went on a date with your wife before you got married every other week for two hours. It'd probably take a long time for things to really get some roots. And so, like I said, the context of community groups, it's to begin and cultivate those relationships. And, and when you go and plan another group, we will, we will allow you to hang out with the people that you left. We, we're not going to be against that. And so... If you let it, yes, it will affect relationships. But our hope is that this will be the beginning and that you're, you're able to fellowship with them um, outside of Sunday, uh, outside of your Sunday night or Thursday night community group. So that's, that's why this passion for multiplication. We want to develop this culture of sending, going, planting. So the next question is similar, but a little bit different. Um, what are the DNA groups? I keep hearing uh, this phrase, DNA. Um, what, is that, what does DNA mean? I mean, not you know, from a biological standpoint. Um, what's going on with that? How, how does the DNA group differ from the community group? Well, let me ask this question, just so I, this will be helpful for me. Uh, how many of you have heard of these DNA groups? You just raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay. This is good. This is good. A lot of you have. Some of you haven't. 
I am fired up for these, um, and, and you're going to hear why in a moment. DNA stands for D for discipleship, accountability, and nurture. They're really more than anything, they are about discipleship. And the way that this curriculum defines discipleship, and I, I love this definition, it's the best one I've heard, it defines it as applying the gospel to every area of your life. That's discipleship. Applying the gospel to every single area of your life. And that's the goal of these groups that together in the context of men meeting with men and women meeting with women, probably right around the size of four people, maybe six people, you together would learn how to apply the gospel to every area of your life. This is why, let me share why this is so, I think, important and timely for us. I think for a lot of Christians, their understanding and their view of the gospel is this past event of this prayer they prayed to accept Jesus Christ into their heart. And then they might go as far as viewing the gospel as this future moment in which when they die, they will get into heaven. And so for a lot of Christians, the gospel is it's that prayer I prayed way back then. And it's this moment I will have in the future of going to heaven and spend eternity, spending eternity there. And, and the gospel has almost no weight in between those two time frames. And we don't, we don't think about the gospel and how it should change our life, how it should change our marriage, our parenting, our disciplining, our work life, our finances. But when you look at the word of God, when you look at what Jesus says, when you look at Paul's teachings over and over and over again, he's saying your life should be defined by the gospel that our identity should be found in the gospel. And so the goal of these groups is that we would learn how to apply the gospel to every single area of our lives. And and let me just give an example or two to make sure we understand this. Um, One of the examples that's given in the curriculum is, let's say you're in the context of of a community group and and someone begins to share that they have a, a big financial problem. They have got into several thousand dollars of consumer debt. Now, our natural tendency for most of us is to pull out the Dave Ramsey curriculum and go through the principles. And listen, I'm Dave Ramsey to the fullest pretty much when it comes to our finances. But usually our tendency is to go to Dave Ramsey and go, okay, here's how you get out of debt. Here's how you can be financially free. And what we don't realize is we're treating the symptoms. We're not treating the problem. We're putting a Band-Aid on cancer. Because the reality is the reason why someone most likely has several thousand dollars of consumer debt is because they believe something about money and what it can buy. And they're not believing something about the gospel. They're probably believing that, okay, if if I could drive this car, I get that I'll have this payment on it. If I could live in this house, I get that it will be at the top of my income. Okay, if I could wear these clothes, if I could go eat at these places. Okay, that's going to really give me a, a sense of joy and a sense of satisfaction. So you're believing that about money and what it can buy. But you're also not believing something about the gospel that you proclaim to believe in. Namely, you're not believing that Jesus Christ is a greater treasure than any financial treasure. That Jesus is a greater delight than anything money could buy. And 
And if people don't get that, they can, they can do the Dave Ramsey stuff. They can pray the prayers, but they're putting a Band-Aid on cancer. They're treating the symptoms and not the problem. And, and since we started doing this curriculum, I, I've been in a group. There's six of us, and we're walking through this. It's amazing how it's changed the way that I think, the conversations that I have. So one example that I'll give is we, we had a car problem, our, our timing belt needed fixing, and so I did my research, found a great place, and, and so I take my car there, it takes the whole day to get it done, and they shuttle me back to my house, well, they call me around 2 o'clock saying, I get that we promised that we'd, you know, get your car done, but we just got backed up, we didn't get your car done, can we keep it overnight, it'll take all day tomorrow, I said, you know, it's, it's the car my wife drives, she's got this going on, that going on, she's got to take the kids somewhere, we need it back. And so I share this with Melissa, and, and so our natural tendency, I'm sure this is not you at all, our natural tendency is like, we ain't going back there, they, they lost our business. And, and then, and then if, if we talk ourselves into going back there, we're at least going to play this card of, well, they better give us a deal, and, and we should probably twist their arm a little bit and use it against them. And so... That's, that's the natural tendency. What about the gospel am I believing when I think that way, right? Nothing. I am, I am believing that, that, you know what, people should just get what they deserve. That has nothing to do with the gospel. And so the goal of this group, the goal of this curriculum is for us, when we think about when we are exhausted because our kids are disobeyed for the 18th time of the day and we get angry and get impatient, that we would go, okay, what am I believing about the gospel in my impatience, in my desire to bring wrath on my child? <laughs> or, or how about the moment where your husband or your wife says something that like is is. true, but the other 50 is completely false. And and our natural inclination is to get defensive about that other 50%. What are we believing about the gospel when when we choose to get defensive rather than to give grace? And I could go on and on about disciplining our children, about how we think and view and use our finances, to how we operate within our marriage and how we communicate with others. I mean, just, just go on and on. And so the goal of this curriculum is how can we think of every single situation as a gospel-centered situation? Here's what I promise what will happen to you. You will have far more joy. You will have far more delight. You will have far more encouragement. And and people will like you better. And, And not only that, people will see something different in you and they will want it. And so that, that's the goal of this is I, I'm not sure how many of us think about the gospel in everyday life. And that's the goal. That's the goal of these groups that we would learn how to be fluent in applying the gospel to our own lives. And hopefully so fluent we're able to help others apply the gospel to their lives and and so that's the vision for these DNA groups. If you are not in one, I know several of you are. I know the women ones are just getting started. And so some of you women are planning on getting in one. If you want to be in one, please write on your connection card and we will make sure you are in one. So answer to that question. The mini dealership always gives me a loaner, Zach. <laughs> <laughs>
Sorry, okay. don't um, have a mini. Don't, I, don't, I don't think you can fit I that many kids in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds cars. biblical. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you believing about the gospel, bro? You can have Rev One for your license plate, and I could be Rev Two. Yeah. Th- okay, you're not okay. preaching the gospel here. Uh, <laughs> We're testing you. We're. It's not the gospel. So. Um, you guys doing okay? Is this, is this working for you? This yeah, I'm getting a lot of blank stares. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I just look at my shoes. <laughs> so, um, so the next question is, uh, why a school for local mission? That's a, that's a great question. Because here's a reality. We could do all kinds of different things for outreach and mission. Um, Here's three reasons why we are driving towards starting this Christian school um, come fall 2016. And, and, and praise God by your faithful work and, and the help of your team, we're, we're, we are almost there and you're making things happen. So three reasons why. The first one, this is going to sound like a bit of a cop out and some Christianese, but um, we can speak Christianese in church as Christians. We truly feel called by God, plain and simple. When Dan came and sat down with me before he came on at the Mission Church, he said, Zach, I want to let you know I have a heartbeat for, and I feel called by God to start a Christian school. Instantly, I'm like, how awesome would that be? Yeah. And the more that we move towards it and the more I've been praying about it every, I kid you not, every single day for two and a half years and never once has, has the Lord been like, no, run, don't do it. Each time God just keeps affirming it. So we really, we feel called by God. The elders feel called by God to start this Christian school. Ten students come the fall. Um, and, and the second reason is this. We believe that this is a need that's not effectively being met in the city of Renton right now. Um, it might not even be being met at all or even being thrived to being met. Um, but we know for certain this is, this is a need that is out there and it's not effectively being met. And we feel like we are in a position. And guys, he's been in... in is it scholastics? Is that the right way? Academics for 15 years 30. and thir- 30? 30? Wow, I didn't know you were that old, bro. Uh, <laughs> check my facts. Um, and and I, we have an opportunity, and God has given us um, some very skilled, experienced people to really reach out to this community and make an impact in this way. Here's the third reason why we are moving towards starting a Christian school. It is called a Christian school, but I don't want us to be deceived. This is not just a Christian school that we are starting. This is a discipleship program. We are praying and, and seeking that the Lord would absolutely move in. So think of it this way. We're not going to just have 10 students we are going to have 10 people, many of which will probably not know Jesus. And here's what I've learned about high schoolers. Sorry, high schoolers who are here. But there's a lot of high schoolers who think they're saved and they're not saved. They're just, they're just not. They, they, okay, I believe something about God. I'm saved. You're not saved. Um, and we have an opportunity to disciple them as a church. 
And so how neat would it be, fall 2016, we have 10 students, and there are 10 of you in here who feel called by God to come beside one of these students and discipleship, disciple them and teach them the gospel and help them learn how to apply the gospel to every area of their life. Most likely, all 10 of these students are going to come from families that may have a need or two. Imagine if we had 10 plus community groups that adopted each kid in each family and just said, we want to meet some needs. Come to us with as crazy of ideas as possible, and we are going to do everything in our power to meet it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is because two people in our church are in Disneyland right now. Maybe, maybe this family, man, they, they haven't had a family vacation in 10 years, 15 years, and we're like, you know what? We're going to raise the funds to send them to Disneyland. I, I get that that seems silly, but think about this school as being an opportunity not just to teach kids and give kids a Christian education, but to help these kids understand the gospel. Listen, in a way they will not go into any other school. So, so that's, that's, that's my why. And that's, that's the end of our questions, really. There, there's a little uh, in bold that said, Dan adds to this response. Oh, can yeah, I, yeah. Do oh, yeah, go for it. Um, do you want the big school? school? No, 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 I don't. Um, <laughs> I I just wanted to say, you know, if we had a building, we would probably start uh, with preschool. Uh, We have 60 kids that go to this church. I mean, imagine all 60 kids coming in right now. Every single vacant seat next to you would be filled. That's how big our church is. This is not just the only representation of our church. We do not have a building. Uh, Who knows? That's for another time. Uh, the thing is, is most of the people in our church, your, your children are very young. Most of the people in our church, your, your kids aren't in school yet. But the, that day will come when you'll put your kid on the school bus or you'll drop them off and you'll wave goodbye. And they're gone for eight to ten hours. The majority of your child's time is not spent at home. It's spent at school. So who ends up being some of the most influential people in the life of your child? The people at your child's school. So what we want to do is the reason that we're starting with high school is it's uh, logistically doable. It's something that we can pull off um, with God's help. And we want to invest, as Zach has has so succinctly put, we we want to invest in the lives of, of these kids we have at this point, half of the funding that we need. We've got a big uh, offering coming up in June. I'm not going to talk about that. Zach will. Um, but that is our, our goal, to be able to fund 10 kids. Um, and then every year, we, we continue to work towards the next year of funding. And we want to be real upfront with you about that. At this point, we don't have the money to do it. Um, I will tell you this. Uh, last week, I had... Two people come up to me and say, whatever, I didn't even tell this to you yet, Zach, whatever it takes, I'm going to volunteer my time to give you one of the days because we'll be open Monday through Thursday, nine to one. Um, I've already had two people say, we, we need people to help get these, these flyers out. I, I can't do it by myself. Um, I'm, I'm fast, but I'm not that fast. Um, 
we we need you know if you're if you're a mom and you can find someone to babysit your kids for just one hour and you can come and sit at the church office and bring your laptop and surf the net whatever you know go on Bible Gateway um, you know and just be there it has to be staffed it has to be chaperoned we want to do this right um, we don't want this to be some rinky dink thing so uh, we are moving in that direction. Um, I love what Zach said to me a couple of weeks ago. I was really down about some things. And he said, you know, Dan, you're doing everything you can. I'm doing everything we can do on our own strength. Um, We have to have God to pull this off. If God's not in it, it's not going to happen. And I'm reminded, Zach, that when you and I met um, almost four years ago now on that faithful faithful Christmas Eve morning, we both said, we don't want to pastor a church where we can just pull things off in our own power Mm -hmm. because then it'd just be like a rotary meeting. We, we need the Holy spirit to show up. So Mm -hmm. the, the last question, and I think we're doing great on time is uh, in closing, if there was one passage of scripture that you would share with our people for this next season as a church, what would that scripture be? Okay. I'm going to have to be very, very careful that I don't preach here. There's this passage in Ephesians chapter 3. It is, it is the most life-changing passage of my life. And Paul is praying this for believers. And this is what I pray for you guys. He says in chapter 3, verse 17, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in Love, most likely speaking about the love that, that comes from Christ, you may have strength to comprehend, so talking about your mind here, with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of Christ's love. And to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, that's God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to God be the glory in the church, in the mission church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here's what Paul is praying to Christians, mind you. He's not praying this for non-Christians. He's praying this to Christians. He says, I'm praying that you would have the kind of mind and the kind of comprehension to know how great Jesus loves you. The breadth, the length, the width, and the height of Christ's love, that you would know it. And then there's this phrase at the end where he says, This love of Christ that's unknowable. And it sounds silly because you can't help but go, wait a second, Paul, you just said you're praying that we'll know this love, but then you just said we can't, we can't humanly know this love. And Paul's point is this, exactly. You and I cannot know the weight, the the height, the depth, the amazingness of Christ's love for us unless the Holy Spirit does something in our lives. And he says, when you are filled with that kind of love, 
When you get the weight of the gospel in your life, the weight of what Christ has done for you, and when you are filled with that, God will do things through your life that are greater than you could ever think or imagine. In other words, God's going, that's real cute. You want to start a Christian school for 10 kids. I think that I could even do bigger than that, Dan. Zach, that's real neat that you have this passion and calling to, to plant a church here, or plant a church there. That, that's some pretty small thinking. That's what Paul's saying here. But let's not miss the very end. Who, who gets the glory? Who's it for? Let's say it together. Who, who's it for? Who gets the glory? God. And may we not miss that, guys. May we not think about, okay, this is, this is the plan that Zach has. This is the plan that the elders have here. Guys, this is not about us. This is about reaching others for the glory of God. And if God right now is, is, is in heaven going, that is not my will at all for the mission church to plant churches. It's not my will at all that Revive School would launch in the fall May God not allow it to happen because we want this to be a church where He gets all the glory. But guys, don't miss it. It starts with us seeking and understanding the gospel in a way that can only be explained by the Holy Spirit. And through that, God does work through us for His glory. So let's not forget to do our part. Let's not forget to seek Him for His glory. Let me pray for us. Father, I, I, I know that this is a, a way different time than we usually have of a typical sermon. God, we just want to make sure your people here at the Mission Church, they are in the know of the things you're putting on our hearts. Father, we want to have a culture here where every single person here sees their life in light of the gospel. That like Ephesians 3 says, that you would allow us through your spirit to comprehend the greatness of your love for us through the gospel. And that through that love, you would work through us for your glory things that that we didn't even say this morning because they're so much bigger than we could ever say. This is your church and, and we want you to do the work. We are your people. Please guide us and lead us. And Father, I just, I want to pray the prayer that, that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. Holy Spirit, by your power, may you work in the life of every single person in here to know the height, the depth, the length, and the width of your love, Jesus Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. That we'd be filled to the measure of the fullness of you, God. And that you would do through us more than we could ever ask or imagine for your church and for your glory, God. Do that in us. In your name. And everyone said, Amen.